0: Today's episode is brought to you by Peregrine Book Company, located at 219 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. This beautiful boutique bookstore is in need of your business and support like all small businesses through this challenging time. Please head over to PeregrineBookCompany.com to browse and purchase books online. While you're on their website, sign up for their weekly newsletter so you can get updates on their reopening plans. If the book says On Our Shelves Now, you can actually pick it up the next business day, or you can call 928-445-9000 and a bookseller will help you. Remember, PeregrineBookCompany.com or 928-445-9000. to the Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candice Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Today's guest is the ruggedly handsome Bruce Dorn, a member of the DGA, or Directors Guild of America. He is a writer, director, cameraman, producer, and raconteur. After beginning his career as a fashion magazine art director in New York City, Bruce found success as a globe-trotting fashion photographer and photojournalist. Upon landing in Hollywood, Bruce found immediate and lengthy success as a commercial director and cinematographer. Pioneering digital artist, Bruce's commercial and personal artworks have been recognized and celebrated internationally. A Prescott, Arizona resident since 2001, Bruce continues to travel extensively as he produces creative content for imaging industry giants such as Canon, Adobe, Western Digital, SanDisk, and ARRI Cinema products. To learn more about Bruce Dorn, check our show notes to find links to his social media accounts and website. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you for being on the podcast today.
1: My pleasure, Candace. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you as well. I'm so excited you're here. I've heard so many wonderful things about you from our mutual friend, Steve. I also was on your website digging around and looking at your whole, you know, glorious
1: not, life. Not my website. The, the most unmaintained website on the planet.
0: <laughs> you're like, please don't look at that. And
1: I started ignoring <laughs> that years ago.
0: Oh, good. So then I'm up to date then. Yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's start at the beginning cuz this is this is my favorite part of this whole discussion is is getting back to the the roots and the beginnings of people and the ways they've been inspired. So, where were you born and who are your parents and your family and and you know, what was your younger younger days like?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh Indianapolis. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh Grew up there in suburbia. My grandmother had a farm in the southern part of the state, so I spent my summers out in the forest. Being a farm boy? Being a farm boy, chasing chasing those cows and and, uh, digging up those taters (laughs) and that sort (laughs) of stuff. And, um, yeah, um, you know, I think fairly adventuresome kid. A big imagination always. Yeah. And... uh, I come from a lineage of uh, art genes. I've got- You do? Yep. Tell yep. me more. Well, I've got uh, art art uh, practitioners going back on both my mom and my dad's side. My great uncle uh, won the Prix de Rome during World War II and was uh, studying in Rome when all the, you know what, hit the fan and yeah. he, he ended up escaping on a bicycle to Switzerland. Wow. Um, my uh a, a, an uncle uh was uh, sort of a um i guess what i'd call a naive, naive artist he he created stuff out of found objects and was just super talented that's um, awesome uh built a violin uh with a carving out the wood with pocket his pocket knife and stuff like that um quite quite an interesting character uh that's on my that those are both on my mom's side and then on my dad's side my dad uh could draw wonderfully, and uh, one of my uncles on that side um, actually was a cartoonist.
0: Wow, um, so you really were just surrounded by artists yeah. in just their, even in the way they lived, whether they were classically trained or like pursuing it, everybody was finding art around you in some form.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, then uh, apothecaries going way back, so medicine and art um, yeah. going way back as far as I can sort of track, and uh yeah, and then um,
0: was I that have, encouraged in your home like when you were little were they like here Bruce you know whittle this wood with a knife or <laughs> or play this instrument or
1: let's say never discouraged yeah, um, yeah and encouraged for sure um, you know when other when other kids were uh, going out for little league games I was going to the um, local fine Art, campus of the university and and drawing the nude at 12 I was doing figure study classes on Saturdays and um that was all just normal yeah then I have uh, cousins who are all uh, found their way to Hollywood uh and ver- by various routes and work in the industry as I did yeah. and uh so yeah um I, I mean I think I was heir apparent to take over a chain of pharmacies but it was quite clear I was not going to go down that path. And I never heard a word about it from So nobody my, from ever was like, you
0: know, you no, could do this instead. No, no. When did you find, was it more like middle school, high school? When did you start to refine your own taste of your outlets in art? Like-
1: well, uh, I've always drawn. Um, I could stay inside the lines with my coloring when that was the point. And then— uh, <laughs> <laughs> After that. When you, you were know. supposed to do it, when yeah. they were
0: like, please draw inside yeah. the lines. <laughs>
1: and then uh, I became an abstract expressionist with my peas and corn uh, at, at the <laughs> dinner table. Um, but I guess I yeah, always had a, a sort of a design um, pr- predilection and uh, thought I would grow up to be an illustrator or a cartoonist. I was uh, obsessed with comic books when I was a kid, and I'm sure my mother threw away all the first editions of Everything Important because <laughs> I had everything. And um,
0: You're like, Mom. Yeah,
1: yeah. I dig her up and it's Strangler. Um <laughs> yeah but uh so I, I guess i was always uh pursuing uh the visual arts i don't i do not have a all rhythm and musical talent has been selectively bred out of my people <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I I i it's it's impossible like, for me to go down that path.
0: <laughs> don't ask me to sing, no. I'll draw you.
1: <laughs> no, don't ask me to actually maintain a beat for more than two two <laughs> hits. Yeah. That that's it. I'm done. But uh yeah, so um you know, I always in ex- expected to do something in the visual arts and then I did when I was uh in high school, we well, I'm a baby boomer, uh, quite obviously, and and um, uh, there was a big vocational high school that was created in the area, and it was massive. And we had some really in- interesting um, uh, industrial arts. So, like, I did three hours of uh, fine art painting or whatever yeah. a day one year, and then another year I did uh, three hours a day of uh, vocational auto mechanics. So... I've got a left brain, right brain kind of thing going on.
0: Yeah. I love that, though. I I actually, and that's just, this is a tangent, but I'm hoping we kind of go back to vocational studies opposed to, not that I have anything against four-year universities, but I think there's so much value In being a young person and being able to go somewhere to go, here's a trade or here's a way you can learn to do the thing you enjoy at a quality level that could help you make money. Yeah. I think that's really important.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm a big uh, proponent of – teaching critical thinking you know having having the skill sets whether they're musical or or visual um, are pretty much meaningless if you don't have something to say so helping to develop people in terms of their their uh, conceptual approaches to life um, I think is is super critical and a trade school minus that is really just training you to be a a uh, a, a food fueled uh, industrial robot right, <laughs> you know right. i mean I, I truly think going forward the only stuff that's going to really matter is the stuff that people can uniquely do which is free associative thinking and yeah. random access kind of processes
0: yeah so. and i think that's such a valid point too it's like what are you putting out there and why Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to make the effort to show up and learn this thing, also think about why you're learning this thing and how your voice is being put into it while you're doing it. Yeah. Which I think is incredible. What a unique and beautiful thing to think about, honestly, because I didn't, I haven't thought about it in those terms. Yeah. But.
1: When I got to, you know, I, I mean, when I was, I had a really great art teacher in high school who had the audacity to give me a C one time. <laughs>
0: You know, How dare you? God, where, where is this teacher? I'm
1: I'm, clear, <laughs> I'm clearly the finest student you've ever had, but uh, he, you know, and I, I was miffed, and uh, he says, "Well, it's average work for you," you know. He says, "You're doing that's your that's average for you. You're not even trying." So yeah, and I, you know, for about two milliseconds, I thought, "Well, I'm I'm quitting. I'm done." You know, this is this is BS. I'm yeah. out of here. And then I and then I took up the challenge uh, just as he had planned, and I showed him, but. Um, <laughs> You know, and then I had had, uh, scholarship offerings and stuff, and uh, some of which were really good that I couldn't take on because I needed to work. I needed to work in some some of the uh, institutions that I might have been able to study at would not allow students to have part-time jobs and stuff. And, really? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and so my family philosophy... had some business uh, reversals uh, in, in recent in the recent years, so I, I had to pay my way through school. Right, but
0: know. when you were looking at those options, the the universities or institutions you were looking at were like, sorry, if you come here, this is it.
1: Yeah, and I respect that. I, I yeah. truly do, you know, because uh, they, they don't want dilettantes, part-timers, somebody right. who's just dabbling at it. And having done a lot of teaching over the years through various routes
0: like you want students who want to be I there am, doing it full yeah, time too I do I
1: want the passion I want the hunger I want to see that because I, it's my time too you right. know, when you're teaching uh, you're given a lot of yourself and if you've got somebody that's just going oh yeah yeah yeah, that's fine you know um, ask you all kinds of questions and, and at the end of it after you've hopefully laid some wisdom on them they go well I think you know yeah. I refer to that person as an asshole. yeah they, <laughs> <laughs> they, they they ask you just just so they have time to organize their thoughts, to, uh, 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 to get ready to tell you what they think with right. five seconds worth of experience. But um, yes. I'm,
0: sorry. So, I yeah. would love to see, um, like with my own son, I mentioned him when you first walked in. Um, I would love to see pe- more people adopt maybe um, the idea of a gap year or traveling or filling their... Yeah, 18 to 20 dynamic with other things that are filling that critical thinking yeah. and then going to school when they are at the point of going, I'm going to go take this seriously now. Because I know when I went to college, I was a great student. I was a great learner. But I I would learn more now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would apply yeah. myself in a different yeah. way now.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean— it- I've seen uh, people who enjoy the, the embracing of the gap year concept, you know, from New Zealand, for example. that's a big thing down there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great. Um, for me, it was kind of important to uh, really grind and really hit it hard. I, I For some reason, I was compelled to um, not play and to hit it really hard uh right off the bat i had some opportunities so that was helpful yeah but um i've i've sort of i I did my teenage screwing around gap year stuff about the time I turned 40, I was well-established. I had my shit together. Yeah. You know? And then I could pretty much, since I've been 40, since I was 40, I've been able to pretty much do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted.
0: I like that, to. too. <laughs>
1: so, and I, and I credit some of it to, you know, really putting Working my- Working your ass off yeah, from
0: the get. Yeah, yeah. Putting my
1: shoulder to it when I was young. Yeah. So. And I missed out on some things. I was kind of whiny about it at some points, but, you know, I, I came out of school.
0: So where did you go to school if you were- Working and doing school at the same time, yeah, so
1: uh, i I was uh, accepted at Art Center, School of Design in Los Angeles, yeah. which is and uh, you know, I thought I would go into automotive design. I wanted to be an automotive designer. And a lot of the people from the school that I did go to ended up in uh, as sculptors doing uh, automotive design work, Heron School of Art in Indianapolis. For me, it was a community college, but it's also the fine art campus of Purdue and in Indiana University. and wow. um That's where I had gone as a kid to take uh, drawing classes. Right. And so I was familiar with the campus. I was able to uh, live at home for a little bit while I got my act together and uh, get my uh, work done. I remember I'm very sympathetic to people who have uh, hideously high uh, student loans because I was able to get a four-year degree paying $40 a credit hour. So, I mean, I think I graduated for under $7,000, you know. Now, admittedly, that was a number of years ago, but my art supplies were almost as much as my tuition. Right. You know.
0: No, I definitely, I agree. I think the cost of education, and I think that's part of why I've, my brain has gone to, like, not everybody's meant for higher thinking, per se. People want to be higher educated in what they have interest in, Mm -hmm. but not everybody needs a four-year degree of, you're going to take a little bit of this and a this and a this and that. I believe that most of us are wired pretty well to go, I have an interest in doing this thing and my interest may change later, but for now, let me go learn the thing I really want to do and be great at it and get to work you know
1: you know i i think you and i are cut from the same cloth you're a musician you've probably always had a passion for it but there's a lot of people for whom that thing that i totally believe in and i see it as my path is skateboarding or you know right or or getting high so i you know (laughs) right and 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 no offense to somebody who wants to uh, enjoy some of those things but um, it, it uh, is. Some people are born with the hunger, and some aren't, and some people find their pathway early, and some find it in the last moments, you yeah. know. So um, it's always different. Uh, I, you know, looking back on it, some of the stuff that I thought was preposterous and that would, were, I, I couldn't understand the value of it at all. But from this perspective, I see it. Right. You know, I for you know i i never took a typing class i thought it was ridiculous and <laughs> and then everything is like you, you have to rationalize everything and you're on a word processor constantly and now i'm happy again because i type with my thumbs on my phone Right. <laughs> so touch typing turned out to it would have been a, a foolish waste of time after all but but uh yeah so um the the formal education i got was good uh i i think working in uh uh, a group dynamic like that, you know, you can learn, you can get all the technical knowledge. You could probably become a brain surgeon or a nuclear physicist off of the interwebs.
0: Isn't that crazy? You
1: know, but yeah. but you lack some critical components there that are part of the university the or college right? experience. And uh, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but I, I noticed that we're falling really far behind here in the States, you know. 38th in math in the world. I'm not sure I can name 38 countries, and I've been to a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, we are we are uh circling the, the 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 toilet at a high rate of speed, it seems to me. So I, I would throw down the gauntlet of, hey, get your shit together and start acting like the great generation and become another great generation. I you
0: know? I could not agree with you more on that one. You know. And I would like to see all of our educators just, you know, make a lot more money. Yes. <laughs> they should, in my yeah. opinion, they should be the highest paid people. Honor, here honor here.
1: yeah you know yeah I, I was uh, i eventually i taught for six years uh went away for a while came back did a sabbat- uh replaced a professor as he went for his uh, sabbatical year uh at the same school that i graduated from and uh he unfortunately passed away when he was on a sabbatical and then i ended up uh going through the screening process with a bunch of other candidates and i ended up with with uh, his chair. And so I taught for about six years. And I, I think I made $15,000 a year. This yeah. was in the late 70s, you know. And it was, I had to have multiple jobs even That's to just be able to feed myself. That's insane
0: to me. That just makes no sense. <laughs> like, but,
1: but hence the $40 an hour credit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. Um,
0: so you were originally are looking scurry. at um, designing automobiles
1: well yeah so what drew
0: you to that initially well
1: i'm a gearhead you know i i mean i i'm i like uh small dangerous things that go fast and (laughs) and, uh i i have i have no common sense and
0: (laughs) you're a true artist
1: (laughs) yeah so i mean I, I, i had a couple of cars and a couple of motorcycles before i had a driver's license uh much to my parents dismay but um it was just, uh, it seemed, well, I became aware of design rather than, you know, I'm going to be an artist, which is pretty vague. And uh, uh, I, I, I was introduced to some possibilities, actually. Uh, another high school teacher, not not the evil art teacher, but the evil uh, uh, auto shop teacher actually uh, took some time out of his schedule to take me to a couple of uh, schools and, and walked me around and introduced me to the concept of automotive design and and, and uh, industrial design. And uh, I've done some industrial design. I've won some awards for industrial design. I'm not trained for it, but I think I got sort of a predisposition for it. Um, yeah, I, I you know, you don't know what you don't know. And that's right. one of the good things about working with uh, a, a teacher who has a lot of heart, you know, is they can – Guide, take your hand and guide you, and kind of point you in some directions. Uh, a topic that I'll I'll circle back around to, but I'll will talk about now is I had a lot a lot of what I call um, uh, unwitting mentors. Mm-hmm. My my family had some financial setbacks. My dad lost you know somebody stole the business from him, the family business from him, and so he was scrambling late in life to you know keep his house and everything, and. Uh, So he worked like a dog. I I didn't see him much after that because he was working from son to son. I ended up being sort of... um, recognized and mentored by a lot of really benevolent adult males who saw me as a kid who was ambitious and had some skills and enthusiasm. And I, I have a, a number of people that took me under their wing yeah. and and push, pushed me in the right direction. And I try to do the same thing.
0: I know. And I know that about you, especially through our mutual friend, Steve, and, and the stories he relays about your mentorship and how much that means to him in his career, which is Invaluable and paying it forward in the best and paying it back, you know, but at the same time, I, I want to point out that there's a lot of credit to be given that you just exactly what you said, you had the interest, you had the motivation, you were ready to grind, you were ready to learn, there's a you're showing up at the table. So although people are, yeah, although people are extending themselves to you and taking you under their wing, you're also going, I'm here Please, please, like feed me, you know, yeah, give the, me the, give me the goods.
1: There's a lot of generosity out there and it's, and, and you just don't want to waste it, you know? So right. I, I think that's, I think if, if, if you um, have the hunger and you let it be seen, you'll find, find that there are a lot of people that will help feed it.
0: Yeah. You know? So when, what created the transition to photography or when did that come into play for you?
1: So, had to turn down Art Center. Uh, they want, required full time uh, attention to the studies and no part time work. I had to. I did multiple part time jobs just to go to what was essentially a community. Any college. any
0: jobs that stick out that you were like, I can't believe I did that
1: job. <laughs> I carried snow tires up the flight of stairs in the tire dealership, and then I. Carried them down the flight of stairs. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Seasonally. So I it, part of the time I was carrying bales of peat moss at the garden supply store, and the other time I was carrying snow tires. So I'm good at carrying things. <laughs> um, um go so when I got into the art school, I actually went into a program called Visual Communications. Um, it was a little bit of everything but it had a lot it was an interesting period it was the schools transitioning from the classic european styled old master and apprentice master and apprentice type of program to a more contemporary conceptual driven uh type of curriculum with the younger uh professors coming on board so bridged that gap and it was really interesting so i got traditional training and then i got a lot of concept development we we learned um, um, free association, synectics, a variety of, of uh, techniques to be able to kickstart your creativity when you're when you're running dry. Wow! You know, and so and and those kinds of things are things that I've used over and I was going to say that again. sounds
0: like an incredible bag of tools to be able to draw upon throughout yeah. a career.
1: Yeah, it's a way to prime the creative pump when you're just sucking air, you yeah. know. And uh, I, I don't have to do it so much because now, because once you have sort sort of understand it, it becomes a part of the way you approach things. Right. And um, but in, in, in the program, uh, there were basically uh, painters, printmakers, uh, sculptors, and uh, visual communicators. And in the visual communications department, there was a little bit of uh, logo design. There was a a heavy emphasis on typography. A lot of uh, concept development stuff through a variety of different 2D and 3D uh, applications. And uh, photography was in there. It was a minor. Um, It it appealed to my uh, mechanical sensibilities. It's a mechanical art form. My drawing style at that time was photorealistic, and then when you suddenly have a camera, your photorealistic drawing seems kind of
0: like, well, well that took a lot of time. <laughs> Could have I, just I taken a picture. <laughs>
1: push the stupid button. So that's what I've done ever since. Is push the stupid. button. You're like button. work
0: smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I, I you know, I, I migrated to it pretty quickly. Um, did
0: you find um, an emotional reaction to that at all? Like, did you find you were connecting from from an internal place the way you? Would with drawing?
1: Uh, maybe more so. You know, with drawing, it was more of an introspective activity, and I just like the revealing of something from nothing on the paper. It's a additive art form. And you start with a blank piece of paper or a canvas, and you start putting stuff on it until you're happy. Now, photography is a subtractive art form. You you look at the world and you winnow it down to what is... A
0: the, shot yeah, with one angle yeah,
1: or... Yeah, you start to look at it that way. And then there's the storytelling aspects. And uh, a photographer by the name of Dwayne Michaels, who had a big impression on me back in the day. We, we were kind of a fine art photography program more than a... and wasn't a full program, just a department. Um, rather than commercial photography. I didn't learn anything about uh, the commerce side or the kind of techniques that lend themselves to commercial photography, um, more fine art stuff. And uh, I, I, that appealed to me, maybe because of the storytelling thing that came from the visual art form of the graphic novel, the comic book, and all that. Master shot, medium shot, close up, right. cutaway, all right. of the angles that you see, very photographic. Uh, sort of vision that uh, comic book artists brought to it, and the reason why Marvel is so marvelous at it's making so movies. So true,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Whereas DC always sucked, and they still do. <laughs> um, but the other thing, we one, know
0: where Bruce sits on the on yeah, the DC I'm, Marvel. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But uh, I happen
0: to agree with you. I'm a Marvel fan, not so much a DC fan, but well, I mean, whatever. Yeah, DC sucks. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I worked with a guy named Steve uh, Ditko. He was a, a nephew of, uh, I think it's Steve Ditko. Is that the guy that was with, uh, helped you know, the co-creator of S- uh, Spider-Man? Anyway. It
0: sounds right. Yeah, it sounds he right. Was at I'm Ditko.
1: not a yeah. Anyway, um, I digress. But uh, the other <laughs> the other thing about photography is it's uh, sort of a um, it's um it's a key to backstage. It's. Uh, uh, right. It, it's, a, it's a way to lift the police tape and step under it, and and uh, you it, get it, to tell, it, see,
0: it, and tell the story from a different angle than the average bear, for sure. Yeah.
1: So photojournalism and what we were calling gonzo journalism at the time. I mean, uh, um, uh, we we used the camera. We being a, a loose collection of buddies of mine. Um, would use the camera as access to different things and and started, uh, uh, you know, went out and, uh, followed the Ku Klux Klan for a while and, and documented what they were doing. Um,
0: wow, wait, can we so, let pause right there? Let's discuss that for a second. Oh, no,
1: there's a pile of them. I ro- rode with an uh, African-American biker gang for a little while um, just to kind of g- get in there and tell stories. And, and you can just say, I'm here to – I'm not judgmental. I am I was going
0: to gonna say, how are you met in, in circumstances like that? You're like, I'm a person with a camera telling a story. I'm not judging you, but I would like to capture – were you ever met with pushback or were you ever feeling oh, yeah, like you were sure. in a dangerous situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, <laughs> many, many, many I remember just yeah. casually goes like, yeah, 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 yeah totally. Time, yeah. This um, is my life.
1: <laughs> you know, Hunter Thompson, Hunter Thompson, right. you know, fear and loathing on the campaign trail and stuff like that. Uh, that was all stuff that was kind of uh, in, in the moment influences for me at, at that time. And I, I, I liked... Well oh, the camera is both a uh a window into another world and it's a wall between you and that reality. it's kind
0: of your shield yeah yep
1: you can hide behind it or you can uh the, you know the camera sees both ways it's it's looking at what's you're out there but it, but it's it, your view is dictated by your own perception and the way you process things so um but I would address it i mean i use i would i'm here to sh- shoot and uh See what's going on. I'm not coming in with a pre-planned agenda, and uh, I just kind of see, want to see what's going on. I and I ended up, you know, some of that work was for Time Life, and right. I, I mean, I ended up as a. While I was still in school, I had a lot of a lot of good luck. I entered a couple of competitions and won them, and then it was like a rocket sled ride right. to. The life that I've had. I can't
0: help but think, in some aspect, though, you make your luck. You know what I mean? I, sure. You sh- you've been showing up. You're doing the work. Yeah. You're working all the jobs. You're yeah. you're putting yourself in the position to take the photos that other people won't take. Luck necessarily. favors the
1: prepared. It yeah. always has, you know.
0: I do have to ask one question though, because yeah. um, based on what you just brought up. Mm-hmm and I know this has come up before in other instances with just dialogue and discussion because of the way the media and the world is now. But when you found yourself in interesting situations like with the Ku Klux Klan, were you ever in a position where you're holding the camera Documenting, but you're also watching something that someone else may then say. You snapped that picture, but why didn't you Intercede. stop that or interject? Yeah, or- well,
1: see, that's kind of that's kind of the journalist thing. I mean, that's what makes you a journalist is right. that you. There was a movie called Medium Cool. It's a really old one, but it was it was actually filmed during the 1968 Chicago Democratic National Convention riots, and they went in there with a small crew and actually did an, a fictional narrative about a a, a documentary crew. Um, and it was based on Marshall McLuhan's "Medium Cool" kind of thing, and that's the name of the. Anyway, um, there's a car wreck. The, the news crew gets out and shoots it, and there are people bleeding, and the car horn is stuck on, and the guy goes over, and you think he's going to help the person that's bleeding, <laughs> and, and he disconnects the horn oh. because it's ruining his sound, you know. But uh, right. <laughs> as a journalist, you you have to do that, or you're you're that that's when it gets dangerous. Is right. when when you have. When you allow yourself to to be a part of it, you have to be kind of, you have to have some ice water in your veins for that kind of stuff. And when it's uncomfortable, you just have to remove yourself from it. If you can't do it, if you can't do that, you need to remove yourself You have yourself to know when it. to
0: say, I need to not be in the way now.
1: Yeah. Like, and I mean, I, I showed up at some kind of a march that the Klan was doing and I started documenting it and just, it was visually interesting and there was a lot of emotional stuff going on. I was just kind of Sort of immersing myself in it to see what the heck this was about. I mean, I, I wanted to understand it, and um, then as as I, I ended up going to another one and another one, and I learned that there was only a handful of these guys, and they would race around the state, and in their in their hoods and their robes, they would claim to be local, angry locals when in fact they weren't from there at all.
0: Wow. You know. So they had a very well organized plan. On yeah, how yeah, to- they
1: they had they were they were doing a particular thing and, and they had a methodology and and you know, I I don't have any in, any sort of endorsement for them. I understand a little bit why they are who they are at the end of that. You know, um there was the at the time I was
0: but that in and of itself is quite an education you know what oh, I mean yeah. just to be able to say like listen I'm not advocating and I'm not condoning and I'm not you know putting... I'm
1: anti I'm anti right, for sure but, but to
0: come through an experience like that and go but I definitely have a window and a perspective to how and who they are and yeah. why
1: yeah I mean yeah. I, I looked at the history of a, of the organization and and you know a post-Civil War carpetbagger response and and then just mean spiritedness and shitheadedness headedness yeah. and this and that. <laughs> but um, there was a moment in there after I had been uh, routinely sort of covering this stuff, uh, when I was had parked my car and I had my bag, and camera bag, and my camera, and I was working my way toward the town square on this yet another little you know Prescott sized town, and um, a couple of clan uh, 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 um, security guardsmen. They they wear you know at that time they wore gray jumpsuits and bloused trousers with combat boots and helmets and they're getting out of their car and as I walk by they go hey Bruce what do you think today should we go nightsticks or guns and I went whoa you know and they because they had it reached a point where they were now playing the media you right. know and you see that all the time now where you know I don't if if you've ever go down to some kind of a a protest you'll see a lot of people standing around they wait till the red light comes on on the tv camera and then all of a sudden they're boisterous and right. rowdy and whatever right so yeah um the media uh the very presence of media creates uh, its own dynamic and all that stuff and i i learned a lot about it and i i covered a lot of different kinds of things i you know you know, horrific storm aftermaths and all that stuff. I was supposed to go into Saigon for one of the wire services when just about the time Saigon fell, I would have been in there. But as it turned out, something else guided me in another direction. I was almost, I was, uh, some kind of one of the uh, bureau chiefs for the one of the wire services was sending me toward uh, Florida to get an airplane to go to Jonestown. Who, who, where was Jonestown and what was Jonestown? It was a, it was a, a big mass suicide, murder Jones-town suicide. Massacre. I think Jonestown massacre. And, yeah. uh, another fella. Uh, You're
0: like the who, photographer Forrest Gump, like the brilliant photographer yeah. Forrest Gump of history. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. I, <laughs> like, heard, I, I hear that now. And now. I,
0: but without all the, you know,
1: without the leg brace. With, yeah. Other than that, identical. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's incredible.
1: Uh, it's yeah, incredible very, to have so very much close to a lot of really
0: yeah, weird
1: stuff. It's um, so
0: incredible to have such um interaction with so many massive events, even if it's on from an outskirt or a fringe or a periphery, but looking in and through a lens nonetheless.
1: That's that's that it's so
0: incredible. Do you look at this and go, My life yeah. has been incredible? Yeah, Good. I know. I mean, all, all, no, all the way through it,
1: I, it's just been a, actually, it's been a riot, and um, it's you know, I, well, I was trying to think of high points. There are well, let's a go high though. But, yeah,
0: because I, mm. I can only imagine. Honestly, no. I could probably talk to you for ten hours and not even get through even a quarter of what you've you've seen or experienced. But um, let's go back to when you were discussing, you know, the rocket ship as far as winning some competitions, and then that just kind of taking off. Let's go back to that moment in time for you as far as were you see as you're winning these awards and as you're getting some acclaim for your work and realizing obviously that you're pretty damn good at this were you like let's go no holds barred no looking back this is my path were you still like well i mean i like photography but i'd maybe still want to dabble in this other stuff Where was your brain at as far as your own adventure from that point, your journey? Well,
1: I'm kind of like the pinball at the top of the machine. You hit something, you bounce off of it. You hit something else, you bounce into that. Uh, For me, it's kind of been like that. Something appears in front of me. I I tend to say yes more than I say no to things uh, because I know I can always back out of something. But opportunity... When grace and opportunity descends on muffled wings, you have to listen closely and act quickly, you know. And um, so when something happens, I tend to try to pursue it to some kind of conclusion and then and then move again. So, yeah, I, I was in college and I was uh, uh, one of my multiple jobs, worked at uh, a mall. And I met a girl there that worked in the juniors department. And we were dating and... <laughs> And I knew nothing about clothing and she knew nothing about oil changes and tune-ups and we were running out of things to talk about. And I picked up a magazine. I was going to get a car magazine. I picked up a fashion magazine and it fell open to a college competition. It just, just literally fell open. It was a college competition, you know, and it was a, at that time it was already like a 50-year-old, it was Condonast Nast uh, Publishing. And it was a competition that uh, many, many famous movers and shakers in the Hollywood, I'm sorry, in the New York fashion industry and literary s- society had had won over the years a, 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 a college competition, guest editorship. And uh, I was, oh, and they had a photo competition. So I entered them both, and I won them both. What did you enter them with? So, um, the photography portion, I did a still life that was kind of weird and sensual and interesting. And then I did a, uh, I programmed a Fortran computer to uh, do artwork with X's and O's. So this is like way back when the computers were uh, steam-powered and I was in a pilot program. You're a
0: damn genius, Bruce.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Uh, I I,
0: I love how casually you say this as though this is not like...
1: No, I'm... (laughs) But I mean, they they dra- dragged a couple of us in to take the 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 COBOL and Fortran were the two computer languages I was forced to learn, and so I one of the projects I did for the competition was just, you had to do a lot. Uh, I I wrote and illustrated a book on on uh, ecology, and then I. Uh, Programmed a computer to make uh, paper dolls, um, figuring it was a fashion magazine. And um,
0: <laughs> you're amazing.
1: Then a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, I was the first male to ever enter it. And I won the guest art director uh, ship. And so I was uh, art director for Mademoiselle Magazine. I was oh, working at a Texaco station one day. And then a week later, I was a uh, fashion uh art director (laughs) art director on a fashion magazine in manhattan
0: and i just have to ask because i think it's such a human trait at any point in your new career and in your new position did you like close the door and sit in your office and go holy shit (laughs) like oh my god (laughs) how am i gonna do this job like or did you just kind of go like yeah let's do this i got it
1: i'm i am cursed with uh Overwhelming self confidence.
0: That's a, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, and,
1: and I just assume that this kind of crap happens to everybody, or, or it did for many years. But, um, yeah, no, I, I was, uh, you know, surrounded. It was kind of that Devil Wears Prada movie. I yeah. was kind of like in the middle of that thing, and I know nothing about fashion. I, I mean, you're no a farm boy, there. and I don't
0: mean that as a in any kind of a put down. I think that's an incredible way to. But you're a farm boy from Indiana. Yeah. It's now in sitting in the big city, the Big Apple, with yeah. fashion.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, it was. And you know, it was, uh, I was go over to uh, Andy Warhol's loft or or to, uh, to CBGB's or Max's Kansas City, and it was. It was the seventies. So Did you it, love really, New York
0: life?
1: Um, I was kind of a fish out of water. I, you know, I. I, yeah. I mean,
0: it's the epicenter of. Yeah, you know. No, it
1: was, it was, it was. So I had never been on an airplane before, and my first trip was to New York. Oh my
0: God! And, and then
1: Mayor. Was it, was it Giuliani? no, no it was still- earlier. John Lindsay, I want to say. Here, Lindsay, this was early 73 or something like that. I got the key to the city, I, was, I rode up the uh, um the plaza hotel, uh, on the running board of a Duesenberg. Oh my god, uh, I love they, your life! They, they so were much. they were launching the movie, uh, um, oh, what crap what was it? Um. The Great Gatsby. Yeah, and and of course they did makeovers on us, and I was suddenly a Great Gatsby character. It was just ridiculous, <laughs> and um, I was just going okay. And then a couple of days later, they flew me to Iceland to shoot uh, uh, sweaters in Reykjavik. Like and then, you, do. as one does. Oh, yeah. And then I mean, just and a then Tuesday. Day later, I was in shooting on the Spanish Steps in Rome,
0: oh, shutting down gosh. the
1: tourist uh, attraction to do a runway show.
0: At any point, did it? No, get to you or at any point did you go um like the the level the the go 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 the this country here and doing this event there and at any point where you're like whoa that's even or were you just up for it all
1: you know my i i've i've got a real sort of low uh pulse rate and and a lot of excitement kind of gets me up to people's normal operating temperature. Yeah. So that's why a lot of extreme sports and dangerous Adrenaline. stuff. And then uh extreme pressure, that kind of stuff just kind of gets me up to operating temperature. Yeah. S- still sort of does. But it was uh yeah, it was really it was really interesting. I mean, I was shooting uh collections for Betsy Johnson and Sonia Raquel and Kenzo and uh at names that meant nothing to me and uh but I was pretty good <laughs> at making women look really great uh on camera and if they were dressed and their clothes looked great. Yeah. And, and that seemed to be what it took. But um and then I had suddenly had a four thousand I was a part of a group that had a four thousand square foot penthouse loft on Fifth Avenue. We just as one does, and um, <laughs> just below the Flatiron Building, I, I shared a I shared a loft with a band that was uh, trying to become a glam rock band, and uh, uh, the New York Dolls used to practice yeah. in my studio.
0: Yeah, they they have a movie coming or a documentary being made about them right now with uh, what's his name, right, Dylan? With isn't um. What's he, he?
1: David Johansson was one of the names I remember from that. Yeah,
0: I think, is it, what's his it name? It was
1: Johnny Thunder before Stevie Thunder even yeah. existed. There was Johnny Thunder.
0: Um, who, Dylan, who's the director who's about to do a New York Dolls? Scorsese. Let's
1: well, see. God dang, if I'm not a <laughs> consultant on that, I'm going to be upset.
0: Yeah, let's put that out there. Scorsese, we yeah, need a call yeah, from Scorsese, you.
1: Scorsese, call me. Um, and that will
0: just be another one of, as one does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when Scorsese calls. Yeah. Bruce will be like, just another Tuesday. <laughs> but it was, a, you know, that was, it was a,
1: it was definitely culture shock. You know, I mean, I, I went from, you yeah, know, working two or three jobs and just, I mean, because I, I won the competition between my junior and senior year. And so the minute I graduated, I was on an airplane and it, it hadn't stopped since. Right. It hasn't stopped May since. May I
0: ask you, a young adult out of college, mm-hmm. rocket ship to the moon. Yeah. I would imagine you're making great money.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, it was, it was, it was good. I was shooting for Bloomingdale's, one swear daily, and uh, you I know, mean, where I was brands. going with
0: that is like, did you have that same internal drive, fire, no matter what the paycheck was? It was just like, I'm gonna just keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah, because there certainly have been dry spells, but uh, you know, I mean, I I always operate at the same level. Well, I'm slowing down a bit here, but um, I just go for it, and then the money finds me. Yeah. Um, And sometimes a lot of money finds me, and sometimes adequate money finds me. Which I
0: think is true for the art dynamic in general. Um, I
1: I think if you averaged it out, I would have, over the course of my life, I've done about as well as I would have done if I'd owned a plumbing company with about 10 trucks. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And. uh,
0: Because I do think a lot of artists fall short on that that spectrum. Whoa. I think a lot of times I've known a lot of people that they have the big year or whatever it is and and the, a lot of money finds them. And then they kind of indulge in a lifestyle that had nothing to do with what got them there. Yeah. And they tend to lose some of their creativity or they tend to lose some of their work ethic or they, t- I've seen that happen. Yeah, it's not I've, everybody. I've seen, yeah. But
1: I, I've, I've seen the drive, dry up for people. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you have to learn to be a business person if you're going to be an artist. I mean, if you're going to be a commercial artist. I, I draw a, a clear distinction between artists and commercial artists. And in commercial art, the first word is commerce. And so you have to be, you know, uh, extremely cognizant of what's going on from a business standpoint. And, I, and I'm, uh, as I am in other than two photo classes, two semesters of photography, I'm self-taught, and in filmmaking, I'm 100% self-taught. Yeah. And in business, I'm 100% self-taught. But all of that stuff that I learned in terms of problem solving, and I would say that if I really defined what my career, career was, it's being a problem solver. Yeah. And it happens to be in the arena of the visual arts. And these days, it's now in to some extent, in marketing and social media, yeah. I write now and, and probably do as much writing as I do uh, button pushing right. on the cameras and stuff. And but it, uh, one of the things I do know is you have to constantly uh, reinvent yourself. You, you, if you're not growing and evolving, you know you're you're going to go the way of the T-Rex.
0: All right, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Dog Guitars, located at 141 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Gray Dog Guitars is an authorized tailor, Gretsch, guild, and reverend dealer with a friendly, knowledgeable staff and a welcoming environment. Whatever you are looking for, whether to buy, sell, or trade, Gray Dog Guitars has you covered. So stop by today and check out their great selection of new, used, and vintage gear and check them out at www.gray dog so let's let's go back then because i liked i love discussing some of that you know transitional time in so i'm i'm making assumptions here but out of college young into middle 20s skyrocketing as you're approaching like your 30s uh, where are you looking at the direction of what you're doing are you just trudging forward at the same speed ahead, are you thinking, oh, I could get into more film versus photography? Where, where were some of those evolutions coming?
1: Yeah. So, so the slam dunked into the fashion industry thing uh, was, you know, probably about five years before I got really sick of it. I was kind of laying, planting seeds for other things. I, I wandered over to Time Life and met some people and I was one of the photographers at the Life Magazine had closed down and they were recreating a small format photojournalistic magazine that is not what it is today but at the time was supposed to be a small version of life and that was people magazine i was one of the original photographers on that and that's where i was doing stories on olympians stories on uh you know priests uh done this or that you know all, all kinds of photojournalistic storytelling and then uh i was doing a a ton of uh, photography for like business week and money magazine ceos cfos right big wigs was that Uh,
0: fulfilling for you at that time
1: it was monetarily uh wallet fulfilling yeah it was wallet fulfilling and and i i i like to try everything yeah you know because you never know what's going to be really uh it, it, it all becomes lumber for later when you want to build something that you haven't uh, even visualized yet. Right. So, um, you know, we're, we're living and working with the band, doing fashion photography, waking up at 5 in the afternoon and going to bed at 9 in the morning. Yeah, 9 in the morning, yeah. You know. And um, all of that was really very different. But one day I just went, you know what, I'm just not into being here and in this scene. I didn't know what I was going to do, and I just left. You I, just
0: pick. You were like, you woke up one day and said, "Today's the day." I'm just should done. have
1: sold the improvements on that loft. I mean, when I see what they get, because I, I took a former button factory and converted it into a uh a. a Rehearsal stage in the back, and again, photo studio as on the you front. do.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Dra- love that though.
1: Dragon four by eight sheets of plywood yeah. up, yeah, five flights, four flights of stairs.
0: You're good at carrying stuff. Good at carrying <laughs>
1: stuff. So, um, yeah, one day I just said, "I'm done." It, it, w- it was hard to have a, per- a, a personal life. I mean, you could, you know, you get into, you know, fashion photographer and models, and there's plenty, plenty of things to do. But in terms <laughs> of having a relationship, that may be a little bit.
0: Maybe a deeper... A little tougher. Uh, to, to get to, to that find. deeper place. Everybody's and, on the make. Right. You know, everybody's yeah. on the make.
1: So I just was kind of eh, a little bit burning out on it. And I thought that I would, you know, the, the, the country is tilted toward the West and everything loose eventually rolls to Los Angeles. <laughs> you know? So I, I was... Uh,
0: I didn't. I don't know why I didn't see that coming, but I totally yeah. didn't see that coming. Oh, you got a belly laugh out of me on that one, Good. Bruce. <laughs> Everything loose rolls to the west. Yeah, and if it doesn't (laughs) stick
1: there, it it tilts toward Alaska, and just don't go up there. I promise me you'll never go up there. Um, But, yeah, so I I, uh, stopped off briefly in Indy to just see friends, ran into one of my professors. He needed to ask me if I would cover for him, and that turned into five years.
0: Oh, okay. That
1: turned into five years, and then I was – Uh, I was a stringer for uh, Time Life. I was doing annual reports, a lot of advertising work. I was flying around shooting CEOs and CFOs and teaching. So I was teaching a full load. And then uh, (coughs) about uh, four times a year, I'd go somewhere and shoot an underwater photography catalog and a lot of scuba diving and and aerial shooting and just whatever I could backfill you know yeah. to to get more experience and more time and around the teaching uh and then uh got married it was, it was quite a story there but i got one <laughs> wasn't, wasn't gonna get married on Wednesday. and then on Saturday, I got married, and on sunday my my wife Flew to Phoenix to start her new job. So I got married and (laughs) And then she left. My honeymoon was sitting around by myself. (laughs) But uh, I I finished. This is
0: not exactly how I visualized this. (laughs)
1: It was very weird. But I I finished out my contract, moved down to Phoenix. Uh, My my first wife was uh, creative director at an agency that had opened up down there.
0: And what time frame was this for you?
1: 80. That would have been 1980. And so it's 70, 80, I mean, it's 10-year. I do everything in 10-year increments. Okay. It's, it's easier <laughs> that way. So, uh, Round numbers. Just yeah.
0: nice blocks of time.
1: Yeah. Hit Phoenix uh, started the uh, –
0: Had you been in this – I mean, I would imagine you had worked somewhere through the south, but had you lived in a desert environment like that? Strangely,
1: I had an apartment already uh, just below Squaw Peak, over by the Biltmore, uh, when I was oh, yeah. still a teacher, as as one does. Yeah, and I, I, one of my former <laughs> students had uh, gone to. A,
0: I think you're my new favorite person. I have to be honest because yeah. I just want to sit and hear this for the rest of my N- days. No, you'll you'll grow tired <laughs> of it
1: quickly um, because there is no end.
0: <laughs> That's okay with me. Yeah, <laughs> just come over every Saturday and we'll just keep talking. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, so I,
1: one of while I was still in Indiana and teaching, one of my early graduates had gone to Phoenix and was a hot shit art director, and he brought me down to shoot for him, and so I and then I had an opportunity to get a really great place, and I this is nothing, so yeah, so I actually I already had, I had a second number. home, you yeah. know, and in Phoenix, so I just moved to it, and then. um Watched a lot of daytime cartoons because <laughs> the 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 kind of photography that was going on down there was not the kind of photography I'd been doing. So while I was trying to find my sea legs, uh, I watched a lot of daytime cartoons and um, ended up that, uh, you know, there was a lot of work shooting resorts and tabletop photography and things like that. And I was used to doing annual reports and I wasn't so much of that work, but uh, got a studio space. Uh, Brought in an illustrator to share the space with me, um, helped to start the—I don't know if it was the Arizona Art Directors Club or the Phoenix Art Directors Club—and uh, then networked pretty fast and furiously. And then pretty quickly, I would say I was maybe the one of the four shooters down there that was doing something uh, that was busy and and productive and and sought after. And it was fun, and. Uh, uh, Worked if, if I worked four days a month, I was living a high roller lifestyle. The the money was good. Uh, I spent a lot of time, right, racing uh, dirt bikes in the desert <laughs> and sailing Hobie Cats down at uh, Port of Penasca and skiing in Telluride. So, yeah. um, fitting in a little work here and there. And um, while I was doing that, uh, or one day while I was doing that, uh, I, I got a phone call uh, from a guy, and he asked, uh, you know, he just lights right into it. He goes, "So you shoot film?" I said, "Of course I do. You know, I'm a photographer." Yeah. And, <laughs> and and I'm half listening, and he goes, "Well, I, I I got a job coming up, and it's for Blue Cross Blue Shield." And blah, 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 talking and talking, and I'm saying yes, which is what I like to do. And over time, I came to the um, to the realization he was asking if I shot uh cinema if i if i was a motion picture cameraman or just a still photographer and i had said yes enough times that i was now you committed know, stop <laughs> and uh by the end of it, he's going, so you want an a 2C? I go, oh, sure. You know, and he goes, what do you think? Like four magazines, 400-foot roll mags? Yeah, oh, yeah, sounds good to me. And uh, the standard Zoom package? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, and, obviously. Yeah, yeah, what else? You know, and then <laughs> what do you think? You can get it down on 4,000 feet? And I'm going, yeah. you know. And then, uh, if, he, we yeah, if we
0: even need that Yeah, if we even need that,
1: you know. But then he... Um, he hung up, and then I, because there was no interwebs, I sp- actually sprinted to the library, and for, at there, you're like, again, I should go
0: learn about this yeah, right against now. Against all <laughs>
1: odds, there was actually an, a, a a manual for an Ari 2C uh, in the library, and I I figured out it's it's a camera, and it shoots a lot of pictures in a hurry, and uh, there's a couple things that are different between it and a still camera, but it's basically a camera. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to back out of this, and then you're
0: like I can figure this out, fake it till you make it. Yeah,
1: and. Uh, <laughs> You know, he, he was, this guy was the director. He was the owner of the production company and director. And he had had a still photographer that had worked for him, at, had graduated up to be a cinema guy for him. And it was very successful, uh, that arrangement, taking a still guy and making him a cinema guy. And that guy had not gotten so good at it, he just bailed and moved to L.A. Right. So now this director. Drag- was loose. Yeah. This, he was loose. He was free range. He, he rolled left. Yeah. And this director now had a need. So I showed up, and uh, there was a certain amount of abuse of me by the crew because they could sense I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, a couple of them were kind to me, a couple of them were, you know, ruthless. Uh, I punished the ruthless ones <laughs> mercilessly later uh, because we got to the Cleo's on the very first thing I did which is kind of the uh, you know Oscars of TV commercials and uh, pretty quickly I was doing a lot of work with that guy and I think after three or four times working with him he was very casual about his part of the job directing he would let me do everything and then he said action and cut and uh, I i after about the fourth job, I, I had it in my head that A comes before C. If I I could direct if I just didn't start the scene by yelling cut. Right. If I yelled action and A-c- then let some stuff happen. And then when everybody seemed like they were not doing anything anymore, yell cut. cut. And then uh, that so I became his competitor. And um I was only doing that for a very short while and then I was it's in some big national competitions, I suppose, the Clios. And um, I was up against the biggest special effect house in the world at that time, Uh, Digital Productions, Robert Abel and Associates out of Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, They invented 3D, 2D, uh, they invented raster graphics, vector graphics, that's where everybody comes from. Right. Uh, That is now Lucasfilm, Industrial Light and Magic, Rhythm and Hues. Uh, All those sorry.
0: names, no one's ever heard of. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> All of those people sprang forth from this place. So they, they, anyway, they, they were just getting started on that stuff, and uh, they had 275 people on staff. They had no live action directors. I was up against them in the Cleos. I still can't remember whether they beat me or I beat them, but they had a million dollar job versus my thirty five thousand dollar job. But we were head to head right so they all called me said fly over here and have a meeting and i went oh i'm having a meeting you know and, <laughs> and uh i went over there and had a meeting and at the end of it they said tell us what you want we want you to be a uh, staff live action director and there's uh 5 hours of stories on that it was like <laughs> cutting your first uh record deal right you know you're going to get fucked
0: yeah you know? <laughs> You go in being like, I hope this is the catalyst to the next thing because right now I'm going to eat shit for a while. Yeah, I just But hope, at least it feels like I'm moving forward. I hope it's, it's a stepping stone.
1: Yeah. I, I hope it's a stepping stone for me and I'm not the stepping stone yeah. for someone else. But um, uh, then, boom, you know, I, I well— and and the, the marriage that, that started with, like, a 48-hour decision-making process ended after two years. And uh, we moved together to California. Yeah. She got the amp, and I got the turntable, and she got the left speaker, and I got the, <laughs> the right, right speaker, speaker. And I moved her to her new place in Laguna Beach, and I moved into Hollywood, West Hollywood. Nope. <laughs> because, because my cousins weren't looking out for me. So I was, <laughs> I
0: was like, did you know Hollywood was at that No, point. but I thought the boys
1: were very tidy. <laughs> they are very
0: tidy. It's it a, a great neighborhood. Tidy. Yeah, it was very,
1: very, <laughs> very nice. And, uh, and then I was working for this big effects house and they had just finished Tron, the original mm. uh, Tron movie, and uh, developing all this stuff. And they had massive budgets. And there were, I think, three of us who were live action directors feeding 300 people. And uh, I was doing multi-million-dollar jobs immediately, and uh,
0: how did let's talk about that for a second. How did that jump feel? Because as being somebody who went to New York originally, and New York and LA have this weird competition anyway. mm -hmm. I mean, there's kind of New Yorkers are like, eh, people in LA, and people in LA are like, well, yeah, it's New York. I love New York, but what we do in LA, you know, how does how did it feel taking on a responsibility of big money, big production?
1: N- nothing ever phases me. It's really weird. I mean, I just don't ever get nervous. It just doesn't anxious.
0: sink in no, that. Just, way. It doesn't it, hit you that way. Yeah,
1: I just, yeah. I just assume that if somebody thinks I can do it, then you they're probably can. right. <laughs> um, but I like
0: that. I like that trait. I feel like I'm kind of that way too. Which is, yeah, can do. You know.
1: Just can yeah. do. You know, if you aren't, if you don't make stuff happen, it doesn't happen. That's that's what I know.
0: Amen to that. But.
1: Um, it was, it was really interesting. I mean, and, and New Yorkers versus Los Angelinos, you know, New Yorkers stab you in the front and Californians <laughs> stab you in the back. You just get, you're going to get stabbed. It's just a matter of uh, whether they seem like – whether you get to see it coming or not. But um, I, I really enjoyed working with the – well, it, as soon as I began directing seriously – well, directing in Phoenix and doing jobs there, if I needed hand towel, I would get a manicure and I would pick up the product and pour the beer or whatever. Right. If I needed a set, I would go to the hardware store and get the lumber and build a Full set. set right. And then suddenly I'm in Hollywood with unit union crews. And New York had been much like that as well. Uh, still, photography in New York is not anywhere near the same level as film production in Hollywood. So. Uh, in terms of the dollars. Did you uh, like the role
0: of director? Did you?
1: You know, it it reminded me of being a teacher. I approached it as if I was uh, um, the same way I approached a a classroom full of talented uh, students. The way I looked at my college teaching years was there are a bunch of people who are unique and they are all gifted. My goal is to get the best out of all of them. And that's the way I approached a crew. Yeah. And uh, and I
0: bet they loved that.
1: I think I was well well thought of as yeah. a director because I was. Uh, we didn't go we didn't go into overtime. Yeah. I had my sh- I generally have my shit together. Yeah, and you respect uh, other
0: people's time and yeah work. yeah I,
1: I I think they ought to be able to go home to their families and yeah. stuff. And I don't want to get anybody hurt. Uh, I structured in in the way I structured my first album deal was I structured it so that instead of getting a big guarantee, whether uh, my career was successful or not, and having maybe a year career arc, uh, because they're paying me a bunch of money, assuming I'll earn it back for them, I took very little guaranteed draw, but I heavily participated in the markup on the job, and I got half of the under budget
0: that's and, a much better deal,
1: and that on occasion made me a half a million in a day, yeah, you know, because if i if if I could find some place to shoot it that looked like the inside of a spaceship instead of having to build a spaceship right, uh, then I got to pocket that dough, and right. I was very good at that, you know, yeah kind of thing. so, um it was you know, I think i I think I did. You know, twelve or fifteen million dollars in the first year, you know, yeah. over there. It was the eighties and it was I came in on the post Miami Vice uh visual wave where it was like they were looking for director cameraman who had a real strong visual component rather right. than being an actor's director you're more of a Right
0: and you're, everything up until this point has fed that art form for you your eye it's yeah. trained your eye it's trained the angles it's trained yeah. the like you said taking the big story and putting it down into an imagery imagery sense
1: Yeah and storyboards you know my comic book obsession translated into me being just able to do storyboards easily and quickly and the, you could just see the department heads going I can't
0: believe it he knows what he's doing you know <laughs> (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We got one that knows what's happening. This is amazing. What are we going to do? I think we might have to pay him.
1: But um, so I was with that company until they uh, (laughs) – In, in what I can only describe to be akin to a, a, a drug deal where somebody shows up <laughs> with a suitcase full of nothing that's supposed to be drugs and somebody else shows up with a suitcase full of nothing that's supposed, supposed to, be to be cash, or maybe there's Uzis in them. But, uh, the, well, I was I was at the end of 275 shooting days um, or, you know, on the clock mm-hmm. days uh, and pretty stretched pretty thin i was in new york starting something or finishing something and there was something else to start in la a few days later and my secretary called and goes uh the company's been sold there's a company meeting you gotta come back tonight red
0: eye i don't know if that sounds good
1: yeah and i i got back there and there was a meeting and there was a guy we had this area with a Balcony, and this guy's standing on the balcony. and goes, So, my name's Akka Knickerson. I'm from Nova Scotia. I'm a fisherman. And we got a fishing conglomerate and we catch fish. And we decided we wanted to get into Hollywood. And so, we don't know anything about making movies, but we know about catching fish. And I'm, <laughs> my, my eyes are the size of saucers, you know. And he goes,
0: I think that's what my eyes just did. I went, Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, He goes, every day the boats go out and some days the boats come back and they got fish. And some days the boats come back and they don't got any fish. And some days the boats don't. Come, Come back, back. <laughs> he said darkly. And I, I raise my hand and I go, I'm a boatload of fish, and I'm not going out tomorrow until I figure out what the hell you are talking about. <laughs>
0: well, this is a perfectly fine riddle, but I would yeah. really like to know what that actually means. <laughs> and
1: he goes, Oh yeah, I recognize you. And I went, Oh, so I, I go into a meeting and he's and he opens and he opens a sales pr- uh, proposal, you know, like a a, a really beautiful four color sales uh booklet on the company and i was a centerfold in it <laughs> Standing in front of a set, looking directorial with my pinky fingernail at my chin, you know, and and thinking about saying action or cut and something exciting in the background. They had stripped me into this picture. I had never been in this particular location, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you you're you're responsible for the bulk of the money that this company makes." And he goes, we, "You're part of the reason we bought this uh, this place." And I go, "Well, did anybody mention to you that I am not like uh?" A football player owned by a team. Right. I, I'm a independent, independent contractor contract. who Always. has an office here. You yeah. know, and that he, you he, know, color left him like. He was like, why, why
0: wasn't that brought to the table before I brought? Yeah. This I company? guess I,
1: I guess I was the empty suitcase of drugs. <laughs> you know, because there were no drugs because I, I he he hadn't actually bought me. Um. But yeah. So. He, I got them to sign a bunch of checks uh, because they were – the guy who sold the company was behind on paying some people I hadn't heard. But uh, got all my crew paid and got myself caught up a little bit, got a big fat promissory note for the money they owed me, and then they fled the country.
0: Oh, my god!
1: And, and the Wells Fargo, or one of them, started throwing padlocks on the building. And that was the day I opened Bruce Thorne Films. I left and took, yeah. took my clients and – Sent US Marshals into ad agencies in Chicago and New York to seize checks and it was a riot. Wow. But um yeah, ended up uh uh with a production company the next day and took my clients pretty seamlessly and then tried adding directors and doing this and that and got a well, How did you like the hat years. of
0: being a production company head? Like Versus being the on-the-ground director. Now you're running, or are you doing both?
1: I brought in uh, a, a friend of mine. Uh, well, I had a, a cameraman I was working with quite a bit, and uh, I knew his wife was really, really uh, talented and super smart. And at the moment, she was painting and gardening. And so I said, would you like to produce? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're much the same.
0: yeah. <laughs> It's just I you just know, love if you the, the If you change the yeah.
1: painting for bidding and and the the gardening for hiring crew people and stuff it's, it's, basically it's pretty the much exact the same, same they're, pretty, they're pretty much interchangeable. <laughs> so she she took to it very quickly later went on to win Academy Awards a couple of them for she produced uh um jungle book and she produced uh effects producer on yeah. uh life of
0: pi wow uh so she both gorgeous films she so. yeah
1: very talented very talented uh all my crew people were great and we worked together a lot for years um i you know, i like i like being in, in los
0: angeles at that point or had you moved your headquarters of sorts
1: So production company offices were in Hollywood proper. Uh, I lived up in uh, Hollywood uh, uh, foothills up by Pasadena. Oh, yeah. uh, La Cañada area.
0: I almost went to La Cañada High School.
1: That's where my daughters went. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. We moved, and we ended up moving to Laguna Beach. So I went. There you go. But But, uh, I know it well.
1: My wife is from uh, uh, San Juan Capistrano. Yeah. And the kids all live in New Porsche Beach right now. But... um, (laughs) Yeah, and then I, I had a home in uh, Jackson Hole, got a second ah, home up in Jackson beautiful. Hole, so I would kind of. But I, you know, I like to work, yeah. so I, I, I. And then we had production offices in uh, Vancouver, and we would set up production offices in Dublin. Mm. Uh, did a lot of work overseas, but uh, everything was going swimmingly. You know, um, a lot of work uh, interrupted, greatly interrupted by. Uh, odd things, you know, like a massive earthquake or riots, oh, right, you know, the right. the Rodney King riots yep. had a massive effect on business and would take a profit. Just like COVID right now. I
0: was gonna say, I just, everything's like going to say, I feel like cyclically where, yeah.
1: And then boom, but nothing. I,
0: for me, because I was a kid during all of that, and, and this feels yeah reminiscent of People that who same time. People have their
1: shit totally together are out of luck right yeah. now because just everything's stopping. Yeah. You know, but, um yeah so it was uh i and because I was the executive producer, I could make decisions that would keep us afloat right. you know, and uh if I needed to really generate some money, I'd go out there and really sharpen my yeah. pencil and make it really clever how I did the productions and you know there were we you know, and we had done music videos and we did all kinds of stuff that when when I was at the big effects house there was no bigger company and there were no better jobs. We did Super Bowl commercials. We did every fast food. You were at the
0: top of the top. Yeah, top that, of the top of yeah. the top.
1: It was every beer, every soda, every everything you can advertise, we did. And um, then, you know, I had the production company myself and it was still cruising along kind of like that, but I wasn't doing computer graphics so much. I I did, I farmed it out. We didn't have all that stuff in-house. Um, and I was racing cars and things and boats and spending money like, you know, like a Miami Vice episode (laughs) and, uh, all, all would, it go well and then there'd be something disastrous and it'd go well and then something disastrous. And then, um, I think it was in every 10 years. So in 2000, um, I was sitting in a race car and waiting to go on the track, and my legs started tingling, and I thought, oh, my seatbelts are too tight, and I need to get out of the car and stretch, and I was just, okay, okay, uh, halt an activity. I started to get out of the car. Nope, got to go back on the track, buckle up, on and off, on and off. Ended up going out on the track, uh, ran successfully. I th- might have won it, and then came back to the pits, and my legs didn't work. I couldn't get out of the car, and that, that was the deal for four or five months.
0: That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, it was. It was pretty spooky. And um, I mean, my crew had to kind of get some straps and sling them under my shoulders and pull me out, out because I couldn't push myself out and race cars are kind of hard. As to a into.
0: person who, like you said, low blood pulse and, and the adrenaline gets you kind of to normal. When you are put in an experience like that where you're like, my legs don't work and being brilliant and a thinker and a visual person, were you instantaneously going, oh, shit, or was it just kind of like, ah, okay, we'll just figure this out and move on to the next thing?
1: Yeah, that second part. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you, you deal with the things one at a time. Uh, but I had to resign a lot of clients yeah. because, you, you know, it's, you know, you know, American Accessibility Act, be damned. Clients tend to give the jobs to those people who they feel are most fit for the process. And, right. and there's a lot of physicality in directing and camera, camera work. I would worked with Jordan Cronwith right after he'd finished Blade Runner, and he was real sick with Parkinson's, and they literally had to carry him to the camera. And uh, But he had a name like yeah. no other. And uh, so I, I just I started saying no you know which was what was the issue if you
0: don't mind
1: me asking um well it took a long time to figure it out and they never fully did uh see my my insurance at the time had a uh claws in it that I wasn't covered for motorsports and oh, helicopter gosh. stunts. And I all know this,
0: anything that's like extremely. Anything that sport. could get you, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I'm going to see specialists and and I'm saying I well I'd hit I had run I've been in a lot of car wrecks mm-hmm. as a race car driver. A lot of car wrecks. And um big violent nasty ones. And um so I'm trying to describe I, I and I crashed couple of weeks before pretty soundly. <laughs> and
0: just the timing of that sounded yeah. funny.
1: And, and so I, I, I'm, I'm trying to describe, so I, yeah, so what's going on with you? Well, my legs are not working. Yeah, but I think it might be related to my neck, like, because I fell off a ladder and I snapped my head violently forward. And I do that just about every weekend, you know, oh uh, gosh, trying to find Chris. a way to describe that crap so that they at least can look in the right place without saying I hit a I hit a wall at 100.
0: Yeah. Um, right.
1: <laughs> but they went around and around. They thought maybe late onset MS, uh, botched a spinal tap on me, drained all the spinal fluid out of my Oh, my god! From around my brain. It was really awesome. Um, (laughs) In and out of UCLA, USC. um, Finally, one guy goes, they were testing me for metals, heavy metals, poisoning. And this one guy finally goes, he goes, do you work near a generator? I go, What do you mean? He goes, like, you know, a gasoline-powered generator. And I go, I do. Every weekend I work next to a generator. You know, I'm thinking racing engine. Right, right, right. And it was, uh, the last thing was uh, sort of saturated carbon monoxide poisoning or something from exhaust gases. Because we were sitting in the cars, and they do leak exhaust fluids, and you are getting gas big time. And we were in there for a long time when it occurred. But why it would be sustained, I don't know. But... Eventually they came back and it was, you know, several months, but by that time I had kind of torn down my business. Right. You know, and you can't kinda of, you know, when you say no, somebody else says yes and they go back to the last person that right. said yes. That's how it works in life. Note to young people. <laughs> um
0: well, and I think there's a momentum too when you're saying yes, 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 yeah. yes. This job leads to that job, and yeah. then, like yeah. you said. It's what and have h- you done
1: for me lately? Is, right. is really and once you h- start, how you start saying
0: no, they're like, well, we're going back to the guy with the momentum. That's they saying they got yes to find
1: somebody, and yeah. they that you give them a chance to fall in love with somebody else or just something fresh uh, and different. So, uh, yeah, we uh, so. I, suddenly, my overhead was eating me up, and and uh, oh, I was I spent the time while I was in the you know stuck in a chair uh, learning Photoshop and Corel Painter, uh, a couple different software programs. So I I go I'm if I'm never going to walk again, I got to come up with a plan. So right. I was busily training myself, and um, uh, then nine eleven. Wow. So then, you know, we I just had sort of gotten my shit back together, and I was getting, I dug out of the, the red and back into the black. I managed to do it, make a couple of moves that were really smart, and um, back in the black, and then, boom, airplane trouble. And uh, I just went, okay, that's it, and I closed the company. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, my wife, second wife, current wife, Best wife ever, um,
0: <laughs> and he's a, he's brilliant and genius in in career moves, but he is also a very smart husband. Yes, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> and um, I, she, I, I've been told exactly how to be a good husband. So, and <laughs> so you're um, good at
0: learning. Yeah.
1: So, um, well, my wife had, you know, other than a stint in Santa Barbara in college, had lived in L.A. in Hancock Park. up in hancock park and then spent the weekends down at uh capistrano uh she kind of wanted to try a small town we looked around the country i thought about going back to uh, iu or purdue and teaching again so i retired 20 years ago um but uh when we looked up in oregon and washington state and thought about wyoming anyway ended up i remembered prescott came over here for a quick look
0: did you remember it because you had done work here or because you just passed through?
1: A, a, a girlfriend's parents had retired up here, and we came up to see them a couple times. It was a snowy winter wonderland the times that I came up here, and I thought, yeah, it's not Phoenix. I couldn't handle Phoenix again. Yeah. And so we gave it a try uh, 20 years ago. And... Uh, then uh, became really, really, really good at at uh, digital arts stuff. Uh, became a Corel Painter Master and I'm in the history books and a lot of museum collections for the work that I learned to do oh when gosh. I was crippled. And uh, tried to leverage that to varying degrees of success. And then I was, uh, while I was doing that, the digital arts stuff, Canon discovered me and uh, brought me on board as a, print master and then uh western digital decided to make me a creative master there were six of us in the world and then uh two print masters for canon and then i got drafted into canon explorers of light program which is supposed to be the best photographers in, in the world and um adobe dream team and airy movie so now i'm an industry loudmouth
0: yeah
1: uh and uh
0: and sustained industry badass <laughs> that's right
1: and then and then here came the jobs again so yeah. I, I launched a couple of uh automotive brands and uh i've you know gotten some big packages and i just don't chase it too hard if it lands on me then Bruce, i do Storen, you
0: yeah. are amazing well, that's right. <laughs> good. I'm so glad yeah. that was the answer. Yeah, well, that, that yeah. of course that's right.
1: Yeah, good. So, no. do you
0: mind if I ask you a few questions I ask everyone? Please, because I can't wait to hear your answer.
1: Boxers <laughs> and briefs, because you can't be too safe, Candice.
0: <laughs> Belt Noted. and Noted. suspenders. Mm-hmm. Those are not the questions, um, <laughs> but I'm so glad I know that now. <laughs> Knowing everything you know now, with the journey and the career that you have had and continue to have, what would you tell your younger self? What would you tell? Let's just go back to maybe your—I don't know—your 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old self. Sunblock. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. Did I not say I can't wait to hear your? That's answers? it.
1: That's hundred <laughs> percent sunblock. Uh, and trust your instincts. You know, believe in yourself. Yeah, believe in yourself. What do you tell yourself say yes. now?
0: Um, sunblock.
1: Sun, yeah. <laughs> Damn! I wish I'd done that. Sunblock. Yeah. Now, now a large brimmed hat. Yes. Um, yes. Um, now I, I I would I say to myself work on uh, um, time to focus on some kind of a legacy. You know, yeah. try, try to try to develop something that lasts beyond. The
0: As if this whole t- lifetime of career art wouldn't. Well, <laughs>
1: no, no, really. It's, you know,
0: yeah.
1: not too far down the road. You, you have to be somebody super significant for it to be relevant. But, um, yeah, I'm working on some stuff that I hope uh, outlast me, you know.
0: Yeah, so, I love that.
1: Mentoring-related things.
0: Yeah. What would you say has been a career high and a career low?
1: Oh gosh! Um, there were so many uh, high points
0: yeah.
1: um, that I, I I don't think I can really pick one out and uh, there were a couple of things that I did everything right on, and and, and uh, the opportunities went away that were disappointing. Yeah. But I just don't dwell on that stuff, you know. Uh, I'm I'm throwing myself at the wall, and if there isn't a door there, I'll eventually make a hole in it. So, um, I if if you were talking about regrets, I regret I didn't go into long form, uh, doing movies or episodic TV. Really? Why? I, well, I think I would have been good at it. I was uh, was too satisfied with what I was doing in in the commercial arena where I worked. We got more money per second of screen time, right? Uh, and and I made buttloads loads of money, and it wasn't down the road. You do a movie, you know, unless you've got the final cut on the thing, it's somebody else controls how it actually turns out. And you could have spent two or three years of your life on something that is a colossal embarrassment. Right. You know? Right. And uh, I chose, I there was a moment in time there where the big talent uh, agencies were sending me scripts and look at this one, do this one, yeah. do this one. When, when guys of my stature at that time were taking on big features, the Scott brothers and Adrian Lyon and all these, the British invasion guys, yeah. I was in that group. Um, I just, I was satisfied with what I was doing. I was enjoying it. I liked the fact that Which is so interesting because
0: most people, you know, in the grand scheme of things don't even get to that. Like most people don't get to a place in whatever employment or job that they seek to go like, I'm genuinely satisfied. I'm making great money. I enjoy the process. I enjoy the work. You know, so it's interesting to hear you say like, it would have been interesting or great to transition and try something else.
1: You know, by that time I had developed a family and I mean, it's a lot easier to be, um, it's a lot easier to be, make self-centered decisions when you're solo. Right. And so I had done that a lot. But, uh, when I married my, my wife, I got a package deal. I got two little girls Mm -hmm. and, uh. And it was, you know, a big change. Yeah. I went from, I had had a stint of 10 years as a bachelor in Hollywood between my first marriage and my my current marriage. And um, I have to be careful not to say second marriage because it implies third no, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> marriage. Um, but uh, I liked going home.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I had uh, all the things that I wanted to do, I could do. Uh, I had a, it was really good, yeah. and and so that was kind of chicken shit of me. I mean, I should have probably just gone. Too bad, you know. <laughs> we're gonna go hungry, so I can make a bad sitcom, you know. But
0: I can see how at the time that wouldn't have the same ring. to, I'm content and satisfied, and I enjoy my work and make great money. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: and uh, you know, but knowing what I know now about the 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 payoff on the investment in time, it's not as front loaded. Like right. I, I never got any residuals for anything I did, but if I had d- d- directed a pilot, right? If I directed the pilot of Friends, I would get paid full, yeah, ownership rights for every episode, Jim Burrows, dra- without, all day long, without yeah. directing them, totally. You know? And so, what a schmuck! Yeah. But <laughs> I, 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 I stopped reading, you know, and I didn't learn those things. So, yeah. But uh, um, no, no regrets. I mean, uh, the the last. The last 10 years have been hilariously uh, different than I would have imagined. Uh, Every decade, I get a little happier. It's weird.
0: That gives me a lot of hope. I appreciate hearing that. Yeah. What would you say uh, would be your definition of success, and how is that word manifested in your life, and how has it changed? What does success mean to you at this point?
1: Well for me success is having dreams and and being able to make them come true hmm. whether it's for yourself or for somebody else you know um you know I, I being able to take the the uh you know genetically given talent that you have and actually use it and not have it be i mean i've been so blessed that i don't use my nature-given gifts uh, part-time, that's all I do, you yeah. know, is I I wake up trying to think what would be fun to do, uh, what's going to be fun to do today, and then I go do it, and then I figure out a way to turn it into something.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: And um, it's nice work if you can get it. It's... it's uh, but I think it is just sort of a philosophical stance where I, you know, there's an awful lot of days where it doesn't work out quite that well. Right. You know, but I, I don't even hardly register that. I just, you know, that's like training, like an athlete training, you know. You're, you're going to get tackled a lot if yeah. you're trying to carry a oblong ball to the other end of the field, you right. know. Um, so Um
0: Or you're not necessarily going to be faster day after day after day after day. Yeah. You might be faster next week,
1: but being not. able to uh, to uh, enjoy a process and be able to pursue the process—that's that's a successful life in my book, you I know. Agree. And if you if you uh, if people are happy to see you coming, yeah, you know,
0: what would you say for our young listeners who will be listening? Um, what would be a piece of advice as an educator, as somebody who's had this super brilliantly? H- huge, amazing, diverse intricate, cool going. I keep will going. Keep, going. keep going you know, landmark career of taking exactly what you said natural born gifts and pursuing them and then just not saying no and saying yes and one thing leading to the next place and to the next place and, and through all of the journey what would be your advice to somebody that's thinking, I love art, I love to draw I love to pick up a camera
1: well, you know, I don't want to I always hate to sort of make it sound like it's easy because it's not. But pursuing your passion and and uh, uh, refining your voice, you know. I mean, it, it, I, I remember being struck dumb when one of my college professors says, "Well, of course you you have to develop philosophy," and I went, "What? You know, <laughs> no
0: one told me about philosophy." <laughs>
1: What's that word? You know, I thought we were developing film and. uh and and uh but it, it it really is you kind of you know you, you you live a life, you you gain a bunch of experiences, some of them horrible, some of them great. Uh time helps you to distill those down into uh valuable nuggets and horrible pieces of crap that you must discard, <laughs> you know. Uh recognize the difference and act upon it, you know. Yeah. But uh we have young listeners? Come on. You didn't warn me. I wouldn't have sworn so much. Oh, that's much okay. Earlier. I swear all the
0: time. I yeah. mean, I'm not talking like children, children, but, okay. you know, high yeah. schoolers, yeah. college kids. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, um, there, there's an awful lot of people that are, are, you know, gears in the machine. If you can avoid that, that's great. And then beyond that, if you can be somebody that designs a new cool machine that moves everybody that everybody is happy to be a part of even better i mean i'm uh i've always kind of been tried to be a do-gooder active you know in environmental issues and things going way back um i think it's more critical now than ever that people uh pay attention to what we're doing to the this little place we live in and um uh, take care of each other and just hippy-dippy embrace the positive, you know. Yeah. The more you embrace the positive, the more people embrace you, the more opportunities you have to uh, get people to go along with your harebrained schemes.
0: I love it. You know? I have one more question for you that I just personally am curious to know the answer to, if there's an answer. Do you have a favorite image you've shot? Do you have a piece of work that you go, you know what, I think that's one of my best
1: um, you know, I, I I flashed on one that I don't have anymore, which is the one that won me the photo competition that uh, back at uh, when I was 19, so 50 years ago. Can you um, describe
0: it for me? <sighs> <sighs> I'm sorry, I haven't seen Bruce wince or look in pain this whole time until now.
1: <laughs> I tried. Yeah, yeah, I don't see how I can possibly, possibly, this can't possibly turn out well. Um, <laughs> So let's say it's a picture of my cat. <laughs> yeah, it, no, you know it was it was uh yeah I no I know, forget it, Candace. Just forget it. I'll it, let it go. Yeah, yeah. Um no, you know, your favorite's always the next one. But um I do keep a folder of greatest hits, you know. But uh I think more than the images, I remember the the occasions and the interactions and the people and the experiences. Uh, yeah. The images are the easy, you know, that's kind of the easy part for me. Uh, the fun is pulling together all the components, uh, the characters, you know, yeah. and, and the the stuff and putting on a show.
0: I love know? it. Well, I am such a super fan, and I'm so honored you came in today. And I, thank you for sharing your journey.
1: I'm not leaving.
0: Good. Oh, good. Much just just keep it rolling. We're just going to keep talking now. Yeah. Um, thank you for being here. Seriously, it's brother, so awesome it. to get to talk to you. I'm looking here. forward to meeting you. All right, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by The Raven Cafe, located at 142 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. I love this place. I eat there all the time, and let me tell you why. The Raven Cafe features a full, all-organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines. Their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients, many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up and coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. For listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us? Or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at Media.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.